0: So, glad y'all are here this morning. Uh, We are in for a surprise. How many of you are here uh, who went on one of our uh, California mission teams in the last couple of years? Just a show of hands. And so, just a few of you. There are a lot of people at the first service. Uh, Yeah, so this morning we have uh, our missionaries Tatum and Jacob Green uh, they're going to come to share in a few moments, um, but I wanted to just share something real quickly with you of um, what, how I view them and how I think it's so impactful uh, for us at Vintage. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, um, Paul is speaking uh, to the church, and I'm going to find this, and that is literally, uh, oh my gosh, don't you love when you do that? You have something pulled up and then you lose it, right? So basically, it, it's really hilarious um uh where is that is that ephesians five thank you I'm killing it a okay, k thanks is no, no, no. I'm literally looking at a Bible on my phone. It doesn't really matter. Basically, it talks about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers. Somewhere in Ephesians 4, 5. I can't find it. Uh, but the idea that God raises up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers to, to basically give themselves to grow the body of Christ into a place of unity, into a place of maturity. And the context of the church over the last hundred years, and I've actually done a lot of reading and studying on this over the last 10 years in ministry, that I find, and people have been saying, man, the church, like the church has really, really celebrated specifically the shepherds and the teachers in the body of Christ. That's why there's been so much emphasis put on preaching and teaching on a Sunday morning. And there's been so much around, like even like talk about the self-help mentality of church today, we come together, I want you to preach a message that helps me the life that I'm living and the week that I'm about to have and that kind of, kind of stuff. Right. And so we love the idea of the shepherds and the teachers. But over the years, the idea of the apostolic, the prophetic and the evangelist have kind of lost favor in the established four walls of the church because, to be honest with you, they're edgy right? If you've been around those who are apostolic in nature, those who are prophetic, right? So apostolic, kind of think entrepreneur, right? This person who kind of lives with the vision in mind, like they love the people they're around, but really they want to move forward, keep on going to the next thing, right? We see the, 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 the prophetic voices, man, the prophetic voices are those who are just very black and white, justice oriented in the context of how they view life. There are those who spend time listening to the voice of God and proclaiming that wherever they Go. And you know the evangelists? They're evangelists like, we don't, hey, that's great. You're already Christians. We're going to leave you behind and go to those who do not know Jesus because they're dying and going to hell. Someone has to go to them. And so we can't just sit inside and do our nice little tidy four walls Christian church. It's great and all, but that's not what we're called to. We're called to live outside the walls and give our lives to those who don't know Jesus. And if you've been around any of what we call the ape, right, the apostolic, the prophetic, and the evangelists over the years, it's like, man, they kind of like, they kind of Couple of feathers inside the four walls. And so, what you find then, unfortunately, is because they have not been embraced wholeheartedly, they go create parachurch organizations outside of the church because they're not necessarily accepted inside the church because they're so edgy. And that's why we partner with Tatum and Jacob because, man, they're the ape. Right, no man. They are hardcore. Like they are the ones who are saying, "Listen, we love these pieces, and we give ourselves to it." And this morning, they're going to come and share some of these stories. And for them, it's just their life. Like they're not trying to like be something special. They're not trying to come and like I'm going to kind of like convict this church. So they just love us. They love the church, right? From this place, the apostolic, the prophetic, and the evangelist. But man, they're going to come and they're going to challenge us this morning, and that's what we want. And I want you to think of it this way. 2019 is about to end. Just in a couple of days. 2020 is about to happen. And to be honest with you, because we just think in the context of years as human beings, 2020, a whole new decade. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is, what is God calling? Listen, please listen here. What is God calling you to? What is he calling us to? And the body of Christ, outside of the four walls, that actually changes the world in which we live. It may just be one person at a time. It's not all on your shoulders, but it is on our shoulders as the body of Christ empowered by his spirit to change the world for the good news of Jesus every day. And so as they share this morning, and they're just going to be sharing their story and their life, and it's going to be exciting and challenging, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to say, God, what are you speaking in this moment? So, Jacob and Tatum, why don't you all go ahead and come? Give them a round of applause as they come. And, Jacob, you can grab that microphone on your way up, man. Yeah, please do. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, Tatum. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. All right. Just a just heads up real quick, Tatum has a small person growing in her belly. Yes, and uh, yeah, so we're very excited uh, about that. So you just be in prayer for them in this season in that. Alright, um, so this is Tatum, this is Jacob, and I invite them to come to share today, and they're going to begin by, uh, again, I just want you to begin by, again, telling your story, um, just, again, the full story, I want you to hear just who they are, the ideas that they are family, we've been supporting them as missionaries now, Randall, for how long, a couple of years, and uh, it's been a beautiful, beautiful gift to us to be a part of that. We view them as part of our family. We recognize some of you don't know them, uh, and so I would like for you this morning to hear a little bit of their story that kind of makes them real people, right? The human nature, the human side, as well as the spiritual side of what they're doing. So, why don't I just take some time and just share your your story and kind of catch us up to where we are today?
1: Um, first, I just want to say thank you um, to Vintage. Y'all have. I mean, not only have you, like, supported us, but y'all have loved us so well. Um, we, we really feel like, even though we don't know many of you, um, we really feel like this is a home for us because of how well we've been loved by you guys over the last couple of years. Um, so thank you so much for not only your, like, financial generosity, but generosity of time and, um, and, like, encouragement and emotional support. It's really just been a huge gift to us, so thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, so I'm Tatum. I actually grew up in I'm a I'm a child of the Transformation Network. Um, so where'd you go to high school? Well, I ended up, I graduated from Fellowship Christian. Okay. I went I to Mount Perrin for a hot minute. Okay. But you. that I was gotcha. like when Mount Perrin was like in a church. Yeah, I gotcha. You know? I gotcha. Um, I'd, and then and when Fellowship was in a church, I didn't get to go to these fancy situations. <laughs> so I went to school in a church hall. Um. But it was great. Um, So I grew up at First Methodist Church um, and was a part of, I was in high school when we um, began the process of birthing what became Wesleyan Fellowship, what became Riverstone and this whole network. And um, so you guys are my people. Um, You've been my people my whole life. In fact, there's some faces in here who have literally been my people my whole life. Um, And uh, so it just is really a gift to be here today. Um, so growing up in this family, missions has always been something that was talked about and encouraged and we prayed for. And I loved it. I got the bug when I was like 12 and I was like, what other job would you ever want to do? And from the time I was 15, I knew that like God had not only called me into missions, but that, um, one day what that would look like would be living in France and ministering in France, which is, um, it's just a really sad statistics there of the um, very small number of French people who know and love Jesus and are following him. Um, they actually call it a formerly reached people group because um, there is so much need there. So anyway, that's a different story for a different day. But I was living in France working with YWAM in 2014. I had just moved there finally after, I mean, like God called me there in like, I don't know, 97 or something like that. So I finally got there. Moved my whole life there. I had a five-year plan. And four months later, the Sella came with a team from YWAM Denver, and he ruined all those plans <laughs> in the best way. Um, so we have been working. I know some, probably some of you aren't super familiar with YWAM. So YWAM is Youth with a Mission. It's one of the largest missions organizations in the world. And um, our, our things that make us different is that we value being international and interdenominational um, we have around 20,000 workers in over 180 countries, um, and they are not all white people from America. It's, um, we are primarily an international organization now, which is really cool. And um, the biggest differentiating factor of YWAM is that we really, we champion young people. Um, when YWAM was founded in the 60s, there wasn't really, for us now, it's like totally normal to go on short-term mission trips and to take youth groups on mission trips and back then it was not the norm and in fact if you wanted to be a missionary the way to do that was to go to seminary and so therefore there weren't really any young people in missions just because of the time it takes to go to college and seminary and get there by the time you get there you're you know a grown-up at 30 or something um but uh so our founders saw this vision from the lord of Waves of young people crashing onto the shores of every nation, and um, and so he founded YWAM to give young people a vehicle with which they could go to the nations, because we believe that God wants to use young people in missions as well as seasoned seminary graduates, which are also great. We need them all. Um, but so that's a little bit about what YWAM is, um, and specifically where we are in Redding, in Northern California, our YWAM Redding, um, our heart is to raise up revivalists to transform the unreached world. And by that, we specifically mean the Muslim world. Um, we are focused on reaching the Muslim world for Jesus. Um, and I love even, like, as we were singing Reckless Love, like, there's no um, shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, there's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear, tear, tear down. And that goes for Islam, too. Like, he's not—he can't—it's not something he can't do. It's not something he doesn't want to do. He is doing it. Um, And so it is really—we have loved being a part of YWM Reading and seeing what God is doing in the Muslim world, knowing that he is knocking down those walls and tearing down those lies and drawing Muslims to himself. Um, And we will share a few stories of that with you this morning. Which, by the way, let me also just— this really fast. If, if you guys could just not post on social media the things that we say this morning, that would be great for security purposes. I know we're recording and we will be strategic about things we say and don't say, but as long as we don't post on social media, like names and specific things, that'd be great. Do you want to say a little
2: bit? Yeah. So, um, my name is Jacob. Uh, and so like, so I, I didn't, I was born into this wonderful, amazing church family here. I was adopted in, uh, so um, I actually grew up in California, and so we, we live in Redding, California now. So I grew up about four hours south of there, uh, near the San Francisco Bay area. And um, I, I was a little bit more wayward uh, than my wife. Uh, and so, you know, I grew up in an amazing, incredible uh, Christian family. Uh, my dad was radically saved, like kind of during the Jesus People movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember kind of, this is kind of my, my line, uh, my uncle was a warlock, and he lived in a teepee for like two years of in this property, and he was into all kinds of crazy drugs and stuff. And one day, very California. This uh, this, this uh, evangelist uh, at this, this church. They called this evangelist, and they started having these revival meetings. And uh, my uncle just walks in the middle, like if we're preaching here right now, the main middle of the aisle. He just didn't even know why. He wanders in the church, and he just starts walking up, dressed like you would expect something crazy like that, just walking up the front. And uh, all of a sudden, they thought he was going to challenge the, the minister and he gets to the front and the power of the, of the holy spirit hits him and he flies back lands on his back out for 2 hours when he wakes up he's a believer in jesus mm-hmm. talk about that <laughs> yeah, right. and that. that's how so that that's how christ came to our family and then he went and grabbed my mom and dad and uh, and they gave their lives to Jesus, and so my whole life, I, 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 we we were a little bit, we we're a little little wild, and so I I grew up in the church, but then I kind of you know started doing my own thing, and and it wasn't until I was 23, I graduated from university, that I, I really came back to the Lord, and I and I decided I want to I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm not gonna play with the line, and so uh, that year I went and I did my first sub uh, WAM school, a subship training school, and so that was uh, that was. 17 years ago and i had, i never left youth of the mission and i got changed all my plans all of them and i'm so glad he did yeah. so
0: talk this uh, just talk for a few minutes um around some of the things that you know god's been doing in the context of your ministry so obviously you have your stories in reading with your teams you have in the context of the places that you've traveled um, and even this past week, I know you guys were in Clarkston down in Atlanta doing some ministry among refugees. And so uh, I would love for you just to tell some stories that kind of highlight really what ministry looks like for the two of you. Uh, some of the wins that you guys have experienced or just the stories. where you're like, oh, my gosh, look what God just did. I got to brag on him for a minute and boast in him. So just take a moment just tell some of those stories that kind of give us an expression of what ministry looks like for you guys.
2: Yeah, so we um, we have a. Uh, a community. So we've got 40, about 40 something staff, and then we train about 110, 120 students a year. And so we run four on four quarters. So every every three months, we have a new batch of students that we're training, we're discipling to know God and make a known. Then we, then we go out to the nations. So we like to call ourselves uh, a community centered on, we're a great commission community centered on the presence of God. That's it. We want to know him and want to make him known. And so uh, we're we're part of the leadership team of our campus and discipling and training. Um, I get to be uh, more a part of um, some of our schools and overseeing our our younger leaders who are leading the schools and also our outreaches. And so uh, this last year we sent out, I think we were counting teams to like something like 18 different nations uh, in places that are more unreached. That's our goal. And, And places, you know. Middle East Central Asia, uh, Europe, places predominantly uh, predominantly Muslim or a city or places where they 're congregating at least ten percent of the population or more and we 're going to these pockets where we can we can hit an amazing amount of people who in other contexts would not have the opportunity of the gospel the gospel and so do you want to tell them about Uh, why we were here in Georgia.
1: Yeah, so we um, had the opportunity in December to join with a local ministry in Clarkston, Georgia, which is just outside of um, Stone Mountain. And if you don't know, Clarkston is a refugee resettlement area. So over the last 20 years, they've received about 40,000 refugees from all over the world. Um, There were people from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, um, Nepal, like, really, just a, a lot of Eastern African nations. Um, so it was, it's um, very diverse. And the people who are there are a lot from um, nations and people groups that we would consider unreached. So ethno-linguistic groups, cultures who don't have an expression of what it looks like to follow Jesus in their own culture. Um, they don't have access to the gospel in a way that makes sense to them. And so they have to have missionaries come in and tell them about Jesus because there's no other way for them to know. So the really cool thing is that these people are here in our own home and on our back doorstep, you know, and so we um, partnered with this ministry and spent a week there. Um, We were distributing Bibles and sharing the gospel. We would just knock on a door and, and offer the gift of a Bible and ask if they had ever heard the story of Jesus and the story of Christmas and we would get to share the gospel with them and. Guys, it was so incredible. We saw, in that week, we saw at least 15 people give their lives to Jesus, Mm. many of whom come from a Muslim background. And I think uh, Jacob was saying that in one afternoon, one of our teams, so we had about 40 people there, so we had about 20 teams, and one of our teams met three different groups of Muslims who said that they had been having dreams of the man in white. And, uh, And one of the ladies said... She was like, yes, many of our people are having these dreams. And she said, and every time I think about it, I, I get emotional because it's just so beautiful. These dreams I'm having of the man in white, is so beautiful. And so our friends were able to tell them about who the man in white is and um, begin the process of, of sharing with them and, and discipling them into the kingdom. And the coolest part was that we had a long list of people who are long-term workers in Clarkston that at the end of every day we would text them and say, hey, this person who lives in your neighborhood um, showed interest in Jesus today or gave their lives to Jesus today. Here's their phone number. Here's their address. And these people were, the long-term workers were following up like within 48 hours and meeting with these people. So they're really going to continue to get discipled and really know him. So over that week, we handed out over a thousand Bibles in multiple different languages. Um, and uh, we're able to really just connect with a lot of people. It went. We've done this sort of ministry before in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I tell you, it went so much slower in Clarkson because there was so much fruit, and they were inviting us into their homes, and it just took a lot more time. Like in San Francisco, we're used to like, no, thank you, or yes, thank you, goodbye. Um, But in Clarkson, it was like, yes, come in. Do you want to come in? Would you like some tea? Would you like some Coke? What can I feed you? And sitting there and talking about Jesus with them. So it was really a beautiful experience, but also just like um, so eye-opening to see what God is doing among the nations, but in our own backyard.
2: You know, can I tell a couple? Of yeah, please, man, go ahead. yeah, so I just want to say, man, the kingdom of heaven is advancing Amen. and it's not just over the, overseas in the nations like we're talking about. But right here, I mean, what is that? Forty five minute drive, mm-hmm. maybe an hour. I don't know. Your traffic's crazy here. <laughs> but uh, so we were going out, like she said. So uh, these different I mean, it's incredible, guys. I, I spent an entire week in one apartment complex. There was like a, over a thousand units. It was gigantic. And we were just going door to door. And so predominantly we focused on the on the apartment buildings uh, because that's where the highest concentration of, of foreigners, refugees are. I mean, not that I, I don't mind sharing to an American, but you've had your chance. They haven't had their chance yet. <laughs> so I'm going for them. So, so we're knocking on doors. And uh, like I said, I spent an entire week in this, in this development or this. I'm sorry, not development, this apartment building. And I. The average would be like this. Probably every, one door out of ninety-nine would not be someone. Would be someone who was born in America. It was incredible. I mean, certain days, ten different nationalities. I mean, it was it was like being in another nation. And so we're knocking on doors. And um, one of the days. Uh, we had we had got walked back and forth because we, we there wasn't anywhere to park and obviously you know it's not the nicest area so we're like okay let's go park our car over in the shopping center and then we would go back and we had to pick up some people so I I walked. In and out of this complex a couple of times. And on the, the, on the morning when we start, first got there this one day, I'm walking, and we stopped this man. And we, he, he was from, I think he was from uh, Congo. He was Congolese. So we start praying for him. I give him a Bible in Swahili. I mean, this is incredible. If you know the, what's going on right now in the DRC, the, Dominic, the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's fascinating that I would get to meet this man and speak the gospel. So we stopped. And while that's happening, this man is walking down the street. So we had this amazing time with him. But then this other guy, and I noticed, he just kind of gives me this cool look. He's like, kind of like, All right, that was not what he did. Sorry. But he, <laughs> he kind of winked at me, like, just kind of like, oh, you're doing a good thing. And, he, and he's weird. He kind of just tapped me on the shoulder. And I was like, okay. Just making sure he wasn't trying to rob me. And then I was like, sweet. Cool, bro. Thanks. And he keeps walking. So then... We're in the complex, and then now I'm praying for like a whole group of these youth, and then the guy's walking by again, and he sees us with another group, but these were these were also Africans, and so then he stops and he goes, okay, because this is probably the second or third time he'd walked by us because we'd been coming back and forth. And he's like, cross the street, and he's yelling out, what are you guys doing here? Like, why are you here? And we're like, oh, we're here telling people about Jesus, and we're giving out Bibles. And he's like, hold on a second. So he comes closer, and we begin this conversation. And at the beginning of our conversation, he begins telling me, oh, you know, he was saying something that maybe you've heard along this lines. Uh, all past, you know, I, I believe in, you know... Buddha, Islam, Muhammad, Jesus, they're all the same. It all kind of leads to the same this way. And this is kind of what he was discussing. And I said, well, I don't think that's true, actually. Can I explain why? And I began to explain what what, what separates Jesus. And at first he was kind of like this. And then I just, we just began to share the gospel. And, and to come to find out, this guy is actually from Bosnia. Uh, so he, he grew up in a place that had... I mean, incredible um, civil war and conflict. And, and I'd actually been there before as a missionary. So we're you know, connected on this level. And oh, he starts telling us a story. And by the end, I begin to, to share about what it actually means to have a relationship with Jesus. And when he, what he died for on the cross. And what he had the power to defeat the law of sin and death. And it wasn't just to get you into heaven, but he had answers for every single situation here on earth. And I was like, do you want that now? And from like well, I all eat I said, no no, 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 it 's Jesus, I began to focus on Jesus, and he was like, "Yes, we end up praying for them, gives his life to the Lord, incredible time, uh, totally different story from when we met him. We continue on that day and uh, and then at one point, we run into uh, uh we, we knock on a door, and it's a, a house from Nepal. And so it turns out they're Christians, these Nepali Christians. And so they welcome us in because they're hospitable. And we're having tea, and there's a grandfather, and then there's also uh, the, the mother of the house. And so we're sitting there, and we ask them. We're like, oh, do you guys have a Bible? We come to find out they're Christians. We're like, that's wonderful. Can we pray for you? We begin to pray. And she said, well, I said, what can we pray for? And the, the mom goes, well, you can pray for my son. They've been there in the, in the United States now for six years. And they said, would you pray for my son? Because he doesn't go to church with the family.
1: And this and, is all through Google Translate, right? No. That's well, how you're communicating? Uh,
2: and a little bit of English. She didn't speak much English. And so at this point, I said, okay, let's pray for your son. And she's like, yeah, he stays out all night. He's, he smokes all the time with his friends. And he, he doesn't go to church anymore. I said, okay, well, let's pray for him. Are we going to pray? As I'm praying... She's looking out the window, and her eyes go up, and all of a sudden, she goes, that's my son. He's here right now. And he happens to come home right as we begin to pray for him. And he tries to run in the house up the stairs without greeting us, and that was not cool in their culture. She, she like Asian mama, calls him out. Like, I, I don't know what she was saying, but it was like, get in here. You can tell. Get in here and sit down and say hi to our guests. And so he's forced to. And he sits down and he's like, "Hi!" And uh, you know, uh, very common with the people we're meeting in in that area, the area that children are a lot better in English because they go to school uh, than the parents. So he's speaking in almost perfect English, and so we begin to discuss. And I just we just honed in on this guy because this is this is a divine appointment as we were praying for him. And uh, we began to talk, and I just actually began to tell my testimony a little bit how I grew up in the church and how I didn't go to church for almost eight years, uh, and 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 then I had an actual encounter with this God who 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 came to change everything and make everything new. And he begins to open up, and he begins to open up his life, and he goes, you know, I actually love God, and I I want to live for God, but all these temptations, that come to me all the time. And he starts talking about smoking and drinking and all the temptations of the world. And he was so honest. And we're sitting there. And the entire time this conversation was going on, his mother and his grandfather, they can't hear. So he's just being very open in English. And we would begin to pray for him and to prophesy over him. And every time you could see the grandpa, he would just start praying. He, just, he didn't know what was going on, but he knew something was happening in the spirit. And so they're just interceding. And at one point, I began to challenge him that God has a plan for his life. And he, and he wants to give him power over those things. And he receives you as a son. And he and we asked him, Did you want to receive that today? And he gives and he's like, Yes. And he begins to repent and he gives his life to the Lord right there in the moment. It was this incredible encounter. And um, and so then we ended up we, we, we hooked him up with a, a, a man who was part of our organization, Youth of the Mission, uh, who's Nepali that lives there. And it's just an amazing day. I mean it was just, everywhere we're going, I just want to say this the, the harvest is ready. It's ripe, like Jesus said. You know, pray for the Lord of the, the Lord of the laborers to send out harvest. Look up, you know, look up the fields. They're white for harvest. Some say, Oh, it's not the season. I just want to say, it's the season, even here in Georgia right Amen. now.
1: So, if you you could probably tell from the stories he was telling, but especially in YWAM in general, but especially at YWAM Reading, we really value um, evangelism, and so Jacob is a huge part of that in our community of carrying that and of, of training our young people in that. Um, and so that's what we we do. That in Reading, we close down every Friday afternoon, and our whole community goes out on the streets um, and shares the gospel with people and prays for them. Um, and then we also do that when we go out on our international outreaches into the different nations, um, which is a unique approach um, in the world of missions with the specific people that we're targeting. Um, a lot of missionaries wouldn't want to overtly share the gospel um, in the Muslim world, but we um, we value that, and as short-term teams, uh, that's possible for us. Um, and so we have had the privilege to see every team that we've sent out um, and, like Jacob said, we only send teams where there is at least ten percent or more Muslim population, and every team we 've sent out um, has come back with testimonies of people giving their lives to Jesus. Um, so God is moving in the Muslim world and, and, and he 's drawing their hearts to them and it 's just really beautiful to watch
0: so talk about uh, so tell some of those moments and know in the first, service, talk about some of these outreaches that we did over in Dubai. Um, Talk just a little bit. So you take these teams here in Reading, you train them, and then you send you send them out uh, for a couple of months. Let's talk about what that looks like and just some of the experiences y'all have had.
2: Yeah. So. Um... So, you know, there, we have something like a hundred target nations that we want to see where there's not a lot of people going. And so we've, what we do during our, we have deception training schools. And so they, our students come in for, uh, three months of a lecture phase where we're, um, that's the aspect where they're learning, they're, they're getting to know God, to know Him. And then the, the, the second part is the two months we take them on a, on a cross-cultural overseas missions. And that's the know, the making Him known part. And so uh, we're taking teams to different places, and one of the things in the last couple of years that we've uh, got to be a part of, um, our, our campus, we're, we're, known, uh, we're known for being pretty radical in faith and bold evangelism. That's kind of who we are, even in the world of YWAM. And so uh, we, we've begun to partner a lot with some of the—we have a, quite a few in Northern California— uh, other uh, YWAM locations that are training centers as well. And one of the things that happened quite a few years ago is that we would meet together in conferences and gathering, and but we had this challenge from the Lord and the Holy Spirit was not to just meet together, but to actually do life together, do something of substance. So we felt like God was saying, do an outreach every year with all your different ministries together. You know, oftentimes we're doing our ministry, our thing, building our you know kind of thing, but he, he, it was this thing of unity that the Lord really challenges us. And so what was birthed out of this was like, we're 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 going to pray together. We're going to lay down... I mean, it's pretty amazing in some of these uh, prayer meetings where we've got like 10 leaders in the room and everyone just to yield their own stuff and submit it to the Holy Spirit.
1: It's like having 10 pastors in the room. Like it's, I mean, which is great, but like when you have 10 pastors in the room who all have their own vision and their own church, and then they're choosing to submit to each other and be unified. It's really amazing. Yeah.
2: Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And so what came out of this time is we felt like we were supposed to go to to Athens, Greece. And so this is the first one. And so we started this thing called YWAM United. And we began to call other bases to join us on a, an outreach. And so during this time, this is around 2015, you know, that, uh, if you were uh, uh, watching the news, there was a, a massive uh, refugee crisis. You know, the, the conflict in Syria was happening, other places of the world, and people are, um, you know, the, from... Radical Islam, where you know all these things are happening, and people are fleeing into Europe, and one of the easiest ways to get in was Greece, and so now you had sixty thousand people in the city of Greece from all these nations that are that are closed to the to the normal preaching of the gospel, and so we're like, we need to respond to this, so we end up made put a call out, we're we're going to go, and we set a date, and three hundred young YWAMers came. Schools and and their students and their outreaches. And so we joined together for three days. Tatum was in, I'm sorry, three, yeah, did I say three days? Three weeks, and Tatum was in charge of all the admins. She was just making the circus run. And uh, we would meet in this church every day, and we'd go out, and we saw incredible favor and fruit in this nation. Um, While we were there, um, uh, one, one of the times, we ended up coming back twice, and the second trip, we saw 73 people, mostly of Muslim backgrounds, give their life to Jesus. Um, in an incredible time. And uh,
1: The yeah. picture in the hall, of um, there's one of Jacob baptizing people in the Aegean Sea, and it's from that time. And he was actually baptizing a man from Afghanistan in that, which is wow. crazy. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's an amazing time. And one of the times we were out, one of the days, just to give you kind of what God was doing, um, we had, we had been going to public squares and, you know, you know, we weren't really asking permission. We just do it first. And if they got a problem, well, well, oh yeah, they got a problem. We'll stop and we'll go somewhere else. And so we had been hitting these squares and one of them, we, we actually, we were getting a problem. And the, and the police officer was actually like, you can go over here and do whatever you want. We're like, sweet. And so we moved our crew. And uh, we had a massive amount of young people. And we happen to have this uh, uh, arts, performing arts uh, group with us, a, a YWAM group that tours in Europe. And they, they're kind of like Christian stomp. They use drums. They do all these weird things with their feet. Yeah, anyways, they're amazing. All these unique instruments, percussions. And so they start drumming. And when they would start drumming, it was incredible because, you know, drums travel and people would just start to flock and then we'd publicly begin to preach the gospel. At times we would have two different translators going because you have once someone speaking Arabic, someone speaking Farsi and more of the Persian languages and English and then sometimes Greek. And so it was an incredible thing. While this happened, we didn't know. Uh, so these drums start going and up the street there's a, there's a park and um, there's a man from Iran and he's there and and he'd been walking around the street that day, and he'd been pondering because he'd been pondering this question. I've heard of what this Christianity is from my, my background as a, as a Muslim, and it's not good, right, you know, the things that they say. But, but I'm seeing something different in my eyes, and what he was having to grapple was, was this. He realized everybody that was helping him as he'd been on his journey as a refugee had been Christians, and so he's, he's, he's hearing these stories, but then he's hearing these people who are actually tangibly loving him. And he's seeing love, and he's trying to understand, what, is, is this real? Because of the, what he's actually experiencing. And he asked this question. He's, he said, he's, I was praying to the God of the Christians, to Jesus. And he said, I, I prayed this prayer. If you are real, will you show me how to meet you? Says this prayer. All of a sudden, the drums start. boom down the street, probably, you know, 300 yards away. All of a sudden he's like, what, what is this? And he has to walk down the street and he walks into one of, one of our young guys. He's, he's just, he's, he's sharing with a translator into this man's foreign tongue is, 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 his language, his part language. And he's tra- talking about how to become a Christian and the young guy walks up and he goes, what? Oh, Christian. Yes. I want to hear how do what, how, how do you meet Jesus? So he's, he's in the middle of this and the young guy afterward he, he, he explained it like this, he was like almost like, yeah, hurry up already I came here for this, stop talking and so he got to the point like, do you want to meet Jesus? Like, yes, that's why I came over here like, and the guy had no idea that the Holy Spirit had brought in this man and they lead him to the Lord with, in his own tongue and then the next day they take him to an Iranian church and later that week they baptized him people from his own language, incredible so that so we did this uh, two years in a row. We did this and, and we started to get favor in this kind of outreach. And uh, on the, the last year, we invited uh, another uh, missionary leader who lives in, in the Middle East. And he's kind of over a certain area. And he'd been here. We're, we're friends. We We had some relationships, but he we invited him to come out and join us. And he came, and he joined us, and this one day, we ended up going into this, uh, we got invited to go into this refugee camp that was not uh, not a government-run refugee camp. They had government-run ones, Then they had ones that were just, like, squatting, because in certain ones, they had, like, Turkish Kurds, right, who the government said, don't do this because of the pressure from the, from the Turkey government, or Erdogan, and so they were kind of on their own, and so they're a little bit, there's no, there's no, um, there's no supervision, there's no police, it's, these are kind of wild ones, and some of them are like, well, I don't know if they'll let you in or go, I'll tell you what, this is where we sound some of the most favor. And they just, we would just go in. And we ended up going to this one, and we didn't know, but they were part of, uh, they are actually on the terrorist watch list, uh, that, this group, but they were they were funding these these people, and we ended up bringing this leader with us, who's a leader in the Arab world, and he was like, do you know where we're at? We're like, well, I see these weird things on the wall, this propaganda, I don't know, and he's like, "This is these are the guys that just did that bombing in Turkey. Like, and so we end up uh, leading people to the Lord, and they just open their doors to us. And he was so floored, this this leader from the Middle East, and he was like, I want what you guys carry. I want you to come to my region. And he said, I'm having such a hard time because I have a heart. I want to see the gospel go forward, but there's different people who have different different uh, ideas on the method, Right. And he said, I love what you guys do. And he said, this is basically what I see you guys as. You guys are the guys that come in and you just kind of blow a hole in the atmosphere and you break the ground mm-hmm. for, for the gospel to go forth. I want you to do that. So he became our man of peace. And so he we welcomed us into a city, a major city in the Middle East. And, uh, and we ended up, we did a similar thing. And we brought all of our students. So we had probably 40-something of our students and some of our staff. And we had our teams, and I'll tell you this: in the beginning, we had thought about bringing some of uh, uh, some of the older leaders who had been in Wyoming for a while. But it ended up our young leaders. We had a girl who was 24 years old who was leading the whole thing, and she had people even probably younger leading the uh, different groups. And my goodness, this man invited us into the city, and he said, "Hey, you know, they're like, well, what can we do? Can we do this? Can we do that?" And he goes, "I don't know, but I think you should." <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> I'm just going to release you. Go for it. And so they pray. They listen to the Holy Spirit. They submit it with them, And he'd be like, yeah, if it's good to, sounds good to you, me, and the Holy Spirit, kind of like, yeah, you know, in the New Testament, sounds good to me. And they, they said, all right, let's do this. So they step out of faith and they begin going two by twos and they begin to, to, to share the gospel. And at one point, they, they end up inviting people back to, to this, uh, to, uh, hotels, to these, um, conference rooms, and begin having these meetings where people of peace, people who, who were open to the gospel, they would invite them back to these meetings, and they were publicly preaching the gospel in these places, playing, playing on the guitar, and, I don't know if any of you guys saw there was a a thing happening uh, called The Send in Orlando back uh, this last year. It was a gathering of like 40,000 people where some YWAMers and Lou Engle, so different people, they did this event calling people into the mission field. They called it The Send. And on that stage, one of the guys got up and he shared the testimony of our team. Our guys had just gotten back a week before, and they were in the crowd. They had no idea. They're sitting there, and this guy's on the stage in front of 40,000 people telling their testimony, wow. which I'm telling you now. That's and awesome. the man comes into the – He said, "You know, he, he's like, well, you guys just go do whatever. I'm going I'm to come around only once in a while. I have to be careful, right? This is where he lives. This is... And he, he said, I, I had to go and see what, what was happening because I was like, I want to see what's happening in these hotel rooms. So he comes up. And he said, he looks at this this lady, she's from a really, really challenging Muslim nation. And she's got the full, full headdress, the burqa on. And he's like, he's watching, and he's watching on stage. He's like, I want, because he's got more of a, he speaks the language. He has more of a cultural background. And he's like, I'm wondering what they're, how they're receiving these young people. Because he's looking on stage, and he sees this young guy, 19 years old, with no shoes on, playing the the guitar, and just worshiping prophetically, singing his heart out to the Lord, and just radically, boldly preaching about Jesus. And so he's like watching, and he asks the lady, he looks over, and and she goes, He's like, what do you think? And she turns and she goes, we receive Jesus into our hearts. Amen. And powerful time of fruitfulness. And so, so these are some of the things we've been able to see those last couple of years of God doing. that The kingdom is advancing, and they are forcing their way into Amen. it. Yeah.
0: Amen. So take a moment, obviously. So we could go do trips with you all and come to YWM. Uh, But a lot of us probably won't. But in that doesn't mean we're not part of this kingdom call. And so I'd love for you to speak for a moment uh, just about, hey, you know, this is what we're prophetically hearing at YWIN. We'd love to share and challenge you guys with or encourage y'all with. And then specifically just kind of speak into some of the things even you've been praying into as you've been preparing for this time of what God has for us, what you see for us at Vintage and partnering with what God's doing.
1: So one of the amazing things about us being alive right now in this day and age is that so much we've advanced so far, um, and from when Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and preach to all nations, um, we've gotten to the point now. So we, in the world of missions, we define a nation as an ethno-linguistic group, so a culture. And we have like specific lists of them and, and their population and, and um, the status of, of if they've heard the gospel or not, if they have a Bible in their language or not, um, and kind of where we're at in that progress. And um, a few years ago, uh, I attended a conference where they had the list of all the nations and um, all the people groups that were still left that don't have any missionary, that don't have any Bible in their languages, that don't have any resources in their languages, and no one even trying, um, which there are still thousands... And which means hundreds of thousands of people who do not have access to the gospel and will not have access to the gospel if we don't do something about it. Um, and the amazing thing is, is that since that conference, I have a friend who works um, with the the Jesus film. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's a film that documents. It's the book of Luke made into like a theatrical movie, and they um, have translated it into thousands of languages. Um And so she... 300
2: million salvations because of that. Yeah,
1: It's an incredible tool. Incredible tool. So basically, as soon as they get the book of Luke translated into a language, they immediately do the Jesus film and start distributing it. It's amazing. So my friend who works for Jesus film said that she was at a meeting this fall where they had the list of the last... People groups who had no missionaries, no no resources in their languages, and no one trying, and that in that meeting, each one was adopted by someone sitting there. So that means someone is gonna start trying. Um, also, there YWAM has a goal that in 2020, together with Wycliffe and some other organizations, that every single language that remains to be translated into the Bible will be started in 2020. Um, we even have a team right now in the Middle East, a YWAM team led by that same young girl who led the team to the Middle East last time. And they, young girl, she's a young woman. Um, they're only there for two months, but their goal is to start the oral translation of a language there of a mountainous tribal group who no one has started before. So they're going to come back in no two known months. No, no
2: believers or anyone attempting to yeah. bring the gospel to them.
1: And this girl is determined, and I know it's going to happen. She's going to have made progress. She in randomly those two found
2: them through prayer.
1: Yes. But the amazing thing is, like, just think about what is it going to be like when every people group on the planet has access to the gospel in their own language, when they have the Bible, the story of Jesus in their own heart language. It's I mean, it's mind blowing to think we've never been at this place before in the history of humanity. And in our lifetime, we will be able to see every tribe, tongue and nation reached with the good news of jesus not every individual we still have a long way to go for that but every tribe tongue and nation will at least have a representative of, of what it looks like to follow jesus in their own culture within our lifetime that is incredible it never has happened in the history of the world and so we live in this very unique time where we have an opportunity to be a part of what the what the picture we see in revelation 7 9 of every tribe tongue and nation worshiping at the throne room and it really boggles my mind that for some reason god allows us to be a part of making that happen um we get to do that by sharing the gospel here at home and bringing people into the kingdom but also by investing in what god is doing in the nations because like steve said every one of us regardless of our geography our occupation our skills our talents we each have a significant and unique role to play in god's global story um, regardless of our situation, and it's just about asking the Lord what that is for us. And um, so Jacob has a couple of ideas, and then I want to share one charge at the end.
2: Yeah, actually, I was reminded of the scripture. Was yeah, it cool please. if I share? Yeah, um, no, you actually...
0: shouldn't read scripture <laughs> <do> that here. <laughs> you okay.
2: here. Yeah. Just real quick too. Right
0: Hey, just real quick too. So you said randomly found this people group through prayer. I'm assuming as she was praying, God spoke to her a name she'd never heard. About a tribe? Am I correct in,
2: in that? So no. she
1: has felt this call to a specific nation in the Middle East for a couple okay. of years now that God...
2: She's been interceding for them for a couple of okay. years. Yeah, so like she, she has
1: faithfully interceded for this nation.
2: And done everything possible to go there because you, it's impossible. Already.
1: Yeah, right. it is. it is impossible for every reason to be into this nation right now. So she has prayed her little heart out. And she has researched on um, Joshua Project, which is an excellent resource that has all the people groups and the status of evangelism. And so she saw on there one of those language groups and this summer she actually she she's in the neighboring nation right now and she went oh. this summer and they drove to the border of the she nation where you can pray go. and intercede
2: over the country just extend their hands in faith
1: and she met three women there at the border who had just been sitting under a tree having a nice afternoon
2: from a hill tribe that is in both you know they in both both nations uh-huh. and she asked them as this book the, the, the Arabic, n- she yeah. said do
1: you speak Arabic and they were like, like no, no, no Arabic no. and then they said this
2: one tongue and she was like weird and then she went and looked it up when she got home and it was one of these people oh, that are her. completely
1: unreached and it just broke her heart she was like I had nothing oh. nothing to give these women that would tell them anything about Jesus because there is nothing oh. and she, so she's like well that I'm, I'm fixing that, oh. not going to let that happen anymore, Amen. she's amazing Share your scripture now okay, yeah. alright
2: so I was reminded of this story in John chapter four, uh, and it's a story where where um, you know Jesus uh, he runs into the the woman at the well, and she says that amazing quote, one of my favorite quote of the Bible, "Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did." I love it. And then he comes to his disciples, and um, he he um, he begins to talk to them, and and you know at this point they've been out most of the day. Uh, and, they, and the disciples, this is verse 31. They said, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, well, and this is a statement, because they're they're thinking, they're thinking physically, temporally, like like our flesh. And they're thinking, man, he hasn't eaten. And like, Rabbi, you need to eat. And then Jesus just comes out of left field with like totally answering, not the, the physical thing, but to the heart, right? And he says this, but Jesus said to them, I have food to eat. That you do not know about. So, the, so then the disciples are like, what? what? I didn't see him eat, right? This is what they say. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. He said, do, not, do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already, the one who reaps is receiving the wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. We have versions where they say the sower overtaking the, re- I'm sorry, the reaper overtaking the sower, right? And so, as, as you ask that question, like what's something, how can we partner? What could we do? And you know, I, I felt like the Lord was reminding me of the story where He says, "I have food to eat that you don't even know about," and He says, "My what does He say? My meat is to do the will of the Father." What I would say is this: I just believe that this is a season that God is putting out the biggest, juiciest steak you have ever seen. This scripture it it like speaks to me because I'm a I'm a I'm a grade A meat eater. Okay, I love meat. I love you know you guys do barbecue, you do it well, and I love Jesus. He's responding. He goes the meat of it, right? You know when you go to have a big meal, you don't well some people do, but you, you probably shouldn't waste your time on the cheap. Cheaper, greener things, right? But the the expensive part—that like you can't get—you can get you can get iceberg lettuce anywhere, right? It's cheap, costs nothing. But you cannot get this special steak, you know, that's like forty dollars for this. You You understand what I'm saying? And he goes, the best part, the most important part, is to do the meat, the meat, the best, the thickest, juiciest thing. The thing that I would not be the least waste of my time is to do the will of my father. And he begins to talk to them about the harvest. And I, I just, you know, if I could tell a quick story with this illustration. Sorry, this is getting long. Here we go. I was leading the team one time, and I was in the nation of, of Mexico. And on this day, um, we were at the end of our trip, two months, and I, it was about 12 of us. And we were on a day where we had, we had nothing physically with us that would lead us to have a successful time of outreach or evangelism. We didn't have translators. We didn't even know what to do. And so being a leader, I said, I don't know what to do. Let's just pray. So I was like, hey, let's pray and worship. And I, I really didn't know what to do, so I kept going. And now it's two <laughs> hours into the morning. We're praying and worshiping because I'm hoping God will show us what to do. What's your will? Show us the meat, okay? We're worshiping and praying, but God shows up. And I was like, I know he's here. This is good. We're going to pray. And, and it's so good. It's one of those times where you almost want to open your eyes because the tangible presence of the Lord is so real. And I had this thought, Father, you are, you, are, you are coming in our midst, and it's for something. What is it? What are you saying? What do you want to do? Instantly, I get reminded of this verse, John 4. My meat is to do the will of the Father. And then I get reminded of the upper room. In the upper room, what happened? They got filled up. They came to a place like this, The church. They come in. They met together. They were all in unity and one accord. and And the spirit of God came and He rested upon them. And as he filled them up, then they went out. And I was thinking, man, father, you're filling us up right now. You're meeting with us because you want us to go out. I was like, genius thought. Maybe that's what you're saying. Go out. So in my mind, I'm like, we need to go out. So then I, I I look I open my eyes and I look around our group because why we all hear right it's amazing as Steve is hearing the word. Every single one of you right, we're a, a kingdom a nation of priests to to be able to hear from the Lord together because we all have a role in this and so I asked the group and I said hey what is God speaking to you and someone goes. We're supposed to give out. We're supposed to go. All all verbs, actions, outward focus. And so then I was like, okay, we're going out. And then I had a picture of this place about a block away, and it was this. It was this. Uh, yes. It was this. It was a. Um, it was a subway, a metro station in this Mexico City. And so I said, hey, let's just go there. And I said, hey guys, let's go. Do you, Who wants to go to this metro station? I believe the Lord is preparing a table before us, a feast. Who wants to come and eat with me? And one girl, one young lady, she looks up from a European nation, very logical, very smart lady, but very practical. And she goes, goes. excuse me, I have one question. It's already been like almost three hours and we haven't eaten. Are we going to eat lunch today? I mean, very practical question. I'm feeling the urgency of the Holy Spirit on this. That this is this is a meet moment He's inviting us into, and I said, "She's like, I don't want to go." And then all of a sudden, everyone starts. It's like everyone's pumped to go. She says this, and everyone's like, "Ooh, too hard." Uh, I don't know if we should join in. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "What's happening?" I'm losing, I'm losing my group. And then all of a sudden, in that moment, a young lady, another young lady in the team, goes, "Wait a second. She puts up her hand and she goes. She goes, the entire time, oh, sorry, I shared the verse. Okay, That verse popped on my head, my meat is to do the will of the Father. So I'm like, if I share this verse right now, I'm going to be like the worst leader ever. Because they're going to be like, we're hungry. And you're, you're like the, the worst verse you could pick out of the scriptures to come against our hunger. Like, you're so weak. My food is to do the will of the Father. And I thought they were going to like revolt against me if I said it. But I said it. I said, I said I, I'm not trying to be confrontational, but this is what the Lord just spoke to me. I, and I said, he said, I would have meat, that, food that you don't even know about. And then the girl jumps up and she goes, oh my gosh, this entire time we've been worshiping, that's the verse that the Lord put on my heart. But I didn't know why. I had no idea. I didn't have context. And she's like, we need to go. There's something happening here that we do not need. It's not time for us to miss out. And so what I did was I looked at the group and I remember I said, hey guys, at the time I was like 32, I think. I said, I've gone 32 years of my life missing out. It's only recently that I've come back to the Lord. I've wasted so much time on the lesser things, the fillers. And I've missed the meat. And I said, guys, I I have to go. I'm sorry. I just I know that that he has something for me. I said, I'm going to go. If any of you guys want to come with me, you can join. I'm not going to judge you. You can go and eat. But whoever wants to come, we're going to go. And then we'll have a feast later. I said, who wants to come? All of a sudden, they're like, all right, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. And that one girl, she's crying. But then she's like, okay, I'll go. And the whole time we're ministering to her, like, you know, word just so she could be there. And we get down to this place after a half-mile walk, and she's finished crying, and we get there, and everyone's like, what do we do? I don't know. Let's just worship. So I said, here, guys, you want to be successful? Focus on him. Invite him in. Enthrone him here. Lift his name up, because no one else, maybe, w- is willing to lift his name up here. Let's just begin to worship him. We Begin to worship. Spirit of God just begins to show up. All of a sudden, in this place, it gets so real we don't have translators, guys. We have no agenda, no plan. Just the presence of God. People begin to flock to us. And all of a sudden, they just, they're they coming up to us and they just start crying. No one's speaking. They're just crying. Our team's looking at me like, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know. Just lay hands on them. Just start praying in English. Holy Spirit could speak their languages. It doesn't matter. If, you don't, if you're not prepared, you're not trained, You don't have doesn't matter. God is doing something. Just put your hand on them. We begin to pray. People are weeping. All of a sudden, there's a man comes up two young ladies. I'm praying for someone. Two young ladies, in their teens. One of them was, I think, early 20s. The other one was a teenager. They put their hand on this man. I turn around, I look, and they're doing this to the back of this guy. They're doing this. They're like hitting him on the back. And I'm like, trying to concentrate on my conversation, but I'm like, what the heck is happening here? And I'm like, is this Smith's Wigglesworth? What is going on here? This is getting real. And they said, when he walked up, they felt like the Lord said, something needs to come out of this man. And so, they're over here, and the girl felt like, God said, like, hit him on the back. Wild. So she begins to do this. She starts, like, doing this thing. And all of a sudden, as they're doing that, they come to find out he is mute. The man cannot speak. Like, he's a homeless man who does not have, he does not have the ability to speak. He's a beggar, right? He looks like this. And they begin to talk to him. And the young girl goes, she goes, until so she starts doing this thing. And they start to pray for him. And all of a sudden, his, his, his neck muscles begin to like go up and down, like contractions of his muscles. And I'm just going to tell you the truth here. You can deal with it however you want. But as the Spirit of God is doing something in him, something that is opposite working in him is now starting to come out. And so he, he actually begins to, in this deliverance moment, he begins to vomit. He's over literally over this walkway, over the highway, and he's vomiting down where cars are driving. And it's bright like colors like reds and yellows. Okay, And it's coming out, and then they see his neck muscles contracting. And they're like, you need to say the name Jesus. And so they're like, say it. And he goes, starts like this. He goes, Jesus. And he's like, Jesus. And he gets louder and louder. And the man speaks. He gets healed. He gives a life to Jesus. All around us, people are freaking out. Like, what is happening? There's something different here. We've never seen it like this before. God shows up. Then we invite this man. We say, hey, why don't you come with us? Uh, tomorrow, it's our last day. Come and join us at this church service. He comes in the next day. I don't even recognize him. He Mm. went home, kind of like that lady at the well. Come and see a man. Told me everything I ever did. Changed my whole life. Went home, showered, shaved, come in looking like a new man he came in we were at the front we were kind of leading this church service and it comes in a door like that and the people in the church walk him on the floor, up to the front and they put him right in the front like a seat of honor yesterday he was a beggar they put him as a, in the seat of honor right here and i'm watching this man sing worship songs hallelujah could not speak the day before i am telling you one of the greatest moments of my life. That night, God showed up in a way, people were getting healed. Oil, I don't even know what that is. Showing up at people's hands. A young 19-year-old prays for a grandma with a cane. She gets healed and then they're dancing together. I mean, I, God marriage is getting restored. And I tell you that verse to say this. I believe God is inviting us, the church. What can we do? Can we go overseas? Can we do these things? I'm telling you right now, he's got a steak dinner. Food to eat that we don't even, it hasn't even entered our mind, we don't even know about, that right here, right here, literally a steak dinner. And he's like, it's time to get to the meat. It's time to get to the meat. Food that we don't even know about. And I, I just want to say, I believe God has perfectly suited this church, every single one of you guys, to see his kingdom come everywhere you go. You guys are radical. You're radical I think he's offering steak dinners free here you go here you go um,
1: one last thing when I was praying um, for you guys sorry been all the South too long when I was praying for y'all um, what i re- the the image I saw was you as a congregation standing up in here and, and all taking one step forward and when I asked the Lord what that meant, I felt like that what he said was that he has um, something new for each of you to move into to be a part of what he's doing in the nations. And it's something specific. It's something possible that you can do. It's not some huge like vision that's way out there, but it's a, it's a possible step that you can take that is going to take some action and it's going to be um, perhaps inconvenient or uncomfortable. But I just want to challenge you, and, and I'm saying it to myself as well, that what, can, what does God have for me in 2020 that's a new step to take that is something that will take me deeper into what he is doing in the nations deeper into what his how his kingdom is advancing in the world today and so I challenge you with that that um, as we enter into 2020 ask the Lord what is it that you have for me what is my step my very possible step but that might it takes some effort and, and some intentionality to make um, it could be finding a people group on Joshua project and, and interceding for them like crazy it could be finding a Bible translation that still needs to happen and investing in that financially and and seeing that come to fruition, um, it could it could be a variety of things. God can speak anything, but I just challenge you to ask him. Say, how can I be more involved in what you're doing in the nations?
0: Amen. So let's do this this morning. If you don't mind, go ahead and stand as we come to a time of ministry. And I'm going um, to have Jacob pray over us as we, um, this morning. And the idea is this very, very simple. God's doing this work. He has this stake in front of us, right? He has this step for us. and. And I just want I just want Jacob to pray over us um, that God would just uh, basically in a sense a prayer of release. God, just think like a wind that hits your open arms, saying and as in wind getting into your sails. Right? I just believe God wants to do this work this morning. And the idea then is when we after this this week and months coming up, we step into twenty twenty, saying, God, we want to keep this in front of us. What do you have for us? What's the what are the steps you're continually calling us to take? And we're going to ask God this morning to do a work of grace, his movement into us to propel us forward. So with that, just put yourself in a posture of receiving uh, this morning as Jacob prays over us.
2: Yeah, Father, I just thank you. Uh, I thank you for your presence, Father. I I thank you for what you did on the cross. You did it already. You've already paid for it. Father, everything that could enter into our, our thoughts, our mind, or our heart right now that could stand in front of us, an assignment or a task or a thing that has not yet come to pass, you pay paid for every single one of those things. You are the answer. Jesus, you change everything. There is not one thing that you didn't come to make all things new when you came on the cross. And so, Father, I thank you this morning. Father, I, I just pray a release of your grace, Lord. A grace, I, I just pray, hope, I just thank you, Father, that we would, our alignment, our hope, that we would step into the hope that you have, Father. I, I just pray that faith would arise in our hearts, that we would align, we would see as you see this morning. And I pray that obstacles and things that would stand in the way, that we would see you, Jesus, the answer. So, Father, I just pray a blessing over this congregation, Father, to walk in the identity of, that he paid for on the cross. He said, all authority in heaven and has been given to me. Now they're go in my name. So, Father, I pray, release that anointing in this room. I think you, this is who they are. We just call them to be who you've made them to be. You've made them to be radical. More than overcomers, you say. So, Father, I pray that in this next season, 2020, you would release them into doing the best part. The best part. There's a lot of good things sometimes that keep us from doing the best part. Mary and Martha, she said, but she's chosen the best part. Father, I thank you. There are things that you want them to do this season that will be like, wherever this gospel will go forth, they're going to tell stories about this because of their willingness to trust you and to say, you have the best plan. Not my will be done, but you'd be like, Jesus, your will be done. So, Father, I pray that your will be done this season in 2020 and that you've not made it too difficult. You say, I've, I've made it plain. I put it in front of you. I've made it easy to see. And Father, I pray this would be that season they could Amen. just see and step into it because it's your grace. Yes. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. We love you all. Just, just honor them as they, as they go. More. Thanks. We're going to go into a time of worship. I know we're already at 1230, and so if you need to go this morning, you're more than welcome to do that. We're going to come in. This, I have an opportunity just to respond as the Lord may lead. I uh, will have ministry teams available on both sides for a little while. Communion is available every Sunday. And this morning, if you came prepared for a year-end offering, just for your tithes and offerings, offering baskets will be here as our expression of worship. I invite you to respond uh, as the Lord leads. We do believe as we step into this new year, God is doing something unique in us, and he's doing something unique in you. And I just want to encourage you to not miss that, right? Just continue to take time to look to Jesus. As we see him, he begins to reveal things to us about how he feels, about his call in our life. And so with that, uh, you respond as the Lord leads. I'm just going to pray for us this morning, God, that you would do this work, Lord, that we've talked about this morning, that it's something that only you can do. And we say, Jesus, would you move in power? Would you speak life over us, God? Would you do a work, Jesus, that only you can do? That 2020, God, for all of us would be a season of breakthrough. Got to be a season, God, of redemption. Got to be a season of falling more in love with you. And so, Jesus, you are good. And you are holy. We love you. We pray this in your name. You respond as the Lord leads this morning. If you need to go, you are more than welcome to do so. You guys have a great week. Jacob and Tate will be here. Listen, they do live off of support. If you're looking for missionaries to support in 2020, they would love to connect with you and chat with you about that. We guys love you.